If you've been thinking about setting up a beauty brand, then you are going to love today's episode where I'm talking to Mukta Tawani, who is the founder of clean beauty brand Miss Palatable. Mukta shares all of the highs and the lows of building a business and what it's like to have a beauty brand and all the things you need to think about as you grow your business. The thing I love about Female Fusion the most is our members. We have members from all over the world, every nationality, every culture, and every type of business. And people tend to come for all of the information, the content, and the discounts, but they stay for the community, which is the most warmest, supportive, and uplifting community. And I am so excited to share with you over the next 30 days, 30 stories, of our members. They are going to inspire you and give you ideas on what you can do in your entrepreneurial journey. Welcome to another episode of Women on the Rise. And today we're going to talk all about beauty and the beauty business with our very own Mukta Tawani, who is the founder of Miss Palatable. And Mukta has been a founding member of Female Fusion since the very beginning when we started our membership. Welcome to the Women on the Rise podcast, Mukta. Thank you, Jen. I'm so happy to, to have you here because you were one of our very first members who joined Female Fusion. So one, thank you for the trust in us. Um, but also as well, I love seeing how women's businesses grow and your business has been doing so well and growing. So first of all, why don't you kick off and tell everybody a bit about you and about Miss Palatable and what it is that you're selling? Okay. So I actually never started in um, the beauty business. I was originally in the finance industry. So when I first started my career, I was actually in asset management and currency trading. What happened was um, I became pregnant with my first son and um, I decided to leave that. And it was during my pregnancy with my first son when I really, really had terrible sensitivity in my skin. And I just saw myself consistently purchasing overseas products that were um, working for my skin. And, I, and it was at that time, we were talking about 2016, when in Dubai, you didn't really have a lot of options. You had options that were very mainstream. And it was around that time I started really thinking about, you know, how crazy it is that, you've, that there, was, there was a whole segment in the beauty industry that in Dubai that was just not seen. And that's pretty much when the idea of Miss Palatable came around. So as I did more research and looking at the products that I was using, I came to realize that there was um, something quite clear with, um, with the formulation in the sense that they were very consciously formulated. And that's really how I started Miss Miss Palatable. I wanted to start bringing the same products that I was using into Dubai. And I wanted to make sure that they were cruelty-free as well as um, formulated consciously in the sense that, you know, um, there were ingredients that were a little more natural, a little more organic, and not, I won't say chemicals, because you do kind of need chemicals in beauty products, because that's how um, they last for so long. Yeah. But in terms of like certain ingredients that were harmful for your skin, I wanted to make sure that 
those ingredients were not in the products. And when it came down to our branding, I realized that I didn't really want to go down that green route, which is why we start, we started with Miss Palatable, because it um, it reminded me of a brand that I grew up with when I was in when I was a teenager. There used to be this jeans denim jeans brand called Miss Sixty. Oh yes, and yeah. that that's actually where the um, the brand name came from. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, I'm actually a customer of Miss Palatable. Um, as everybody knows, I'm very big into buying conscious brands also as well, anything vegan. And it's hard to find eco-friendly vegan makeup products. And that is what, what you have through the brands that you offer. And I love the products and it's so good on your skin as well. Have you found it's been hard to to get people onto buying more of the cruelty-free vegan makeup or has it been quite a, an easy transition for, for people? I think you have to look at it pre-COVID and post-COVID. Ah. <laughs> because pre-COVID, yes, I would have said it was very, very hard. People were absolutely unaware. I mean, in the initial days, I spent a lot, a lot of time trying to build awareness, trying to explain to people why you needed to look at ingredients, why why what you're using may not be best for your skin and, and things like that. But I would say post-COVID, things changed quite a bit. And I, and I guess it's got to do with the fact that we were all stuck at home. Nobody was wearing makeup anymore. Every, so everyone started focusing on skincare. They had a little yes. more time to do research. And that's where the awareness started building. So even with our business, our business grew a lot more post-COVID. Interesting. Yep. But Interesting. I think even till today, if I compare it to the rest of the world, it, we're still quite far behind in the Middle East. So great opportunities then as well to really grow and build the brand even further as people become more more conscious of that. Oh, for sure. Because I feel like we're just at the beginning of this whole movement. Um, you know, if you look at Europe, if you look at the US or even Australia, they are, you'll see all brands that are doing really, really well in these places are all clean beauty brands. And the brands that are coming up as well Every single, most brand, I would say about like 80% of the new brands that are popping up in these countries are clean beauty, are clean beauty or consciously formulated. And is that because the demand from the customers are there that the customers are much more educated and they want that now? Yes, it's that. And it's also, um, I would say the difference, the main difference is that people are more willing to discover and try new brands that are not mainstream. Mm. So that's yeah. it's interesting. Like the mainstream brands haven't really gone the clean beauty route, have they? I mean, they kind of they are trying. For yeah. example, you've got Sephora who've got their um, clean yes beauty section, but um, that too has gone through you know some controversies as well. Like, is it really clean, or is it their version of clean? You know. And things like that. So that's where, and a lot of the problems with mainstream brands is that they are very, very big. So their value system and what they're actually looking for in terms is more about sales. Yeah. Right. So what is selling more? Because they've got the shareholders that they need to report to. Exactly. Now, you've you've had your 
beauty brand for, for a while. Yeah. We often see in female fusion that there are a lot of women who are interested in setting up a beauty brand, whether it's um, making their own cosmetics or skincare products or hair care products or going and sourcing them from somewhere in the world and reselling them here. But a lot of those businesses don't make it. And I see that and I see the cycle that it normally, somebody thinks, oh, it's a great idea. I'm going to import this product or I'm going to create this beauty product and not really fully understand what it takes to to build a beauty brand. What advice would you give to people who are thinking about setting up a beauty brand? The first thing, figure out your why. Why are you doing this? Are you doing this just because you want to build another beauty brand and that's going to be the next unicorn that's going to earn you a lot of money? Or is there a, is there a specific reason why you're doing this? Why are you building this brand? What's that pain point that you're looking at? Because it's one of the most competitive industries in the world. But you know, a lot of people set up a business and haven't worked out their why. And I find that as somebody who is, I am not a natural planner, but I am a big planner when it comes to, to business. And I find it so surprising that I'll talk to entrepreneurs and they'll go, oh, well, I thought I could make lots of money with this, or yeah. I'm really passionate about this. So I just went and set up this business without being clear on what their why is, what their vision is and who they're actually selling. And as you said as well, what those pain points are that what will make you different than all the thousands of other ones that are out there on the market as well. Yes, because as as founders, we sometimes are very idealistic. We think we're going to be, be the one to build the next amazing, great product and nobody else has it and all of that. But They've it, all been invented. <laughs> yes, but they, I mean, especially with the beauty, with the beauty industry, there are lipsticks. There are eyeshadows, there are eyeliners, and there are blushes, you know. It's, it's the standard products. But there's a reason why we, we are more inclined to buy certain brands compared to others, you know. So you really have to think about, think about human psychology in that sense. Why, why are you going to buy XYZ brand instead of ABC? Mm. What is it about XYZ that you like that ABC doesn't have. And these are, these are what differentiates different brands because you're never ever going to be able to target everybody and none of these brands that are successful are targeting everyone. Correct. Yeah, I mean, you need to know your niche, right? You have to know your niche. And this is, this is what's going to help you with distribution later. So it's not... As we discussed, it's not easy to have a beauty brand. What are things that if somebody wants to create a beauty brand or import products, what are things that they need to be aware of? So first, if you're making your own brand, first of all, figure out your why. Once you've done that, um, figure out what's going to make your product unique from everybody else who has same or similar products. What is that one thing that's going to make it very, very different to everything else? So understand that um, it's a very visual industry. So you, branding is very important and you have to make sure that your why and your USPs 
are visually like you can visually see it totally because if you're not able to invest that money in branding people you people aren't going to buy from you it's not going to fly yeah <laughs> it's it's just not packaging like packaging what the bottles are going to look like what your labels are going to look like what are your marketing assets going to look like is there a certain vibe that they're going to have are they going to be is it going to be for example a minimalist brand that's just monochromatic black and white or is it going to be a gen z yellow red bubbly kind type of white so you actually have to think about the personality of your brand what mm. personality is your brand going to have and uh, apart from that and the branding as you go further along as well it's quite complicated right i mean it, depending upon where your business is that you might have to get approvals from the government to sell the, those products but then there's other things as well like selling and having your e-commerce platform to how you're going to distribute it how you're going to store your products all of that I, I think sometimes that people don't consider that when when they go I'm going to have a beauty brand and not actually think through all of the steps that need to happen yes because um before you can even do that you've got the branding all of that you, you have to go to the labs right to formulate your products if you're going if you're not going to be manufacturing it yourself you have to go somewhere else to manufacture it those places are going to have moqs so you Which have is minimum order quantity exactly yeah. and on top of that beauty products have expiry dates mm. so not only do you have moqs but you have to have a mental timeline in your head that okay i am going to buy x amount and i have to make sure that i sell x amount within the time because once it expires you throw it yeah well it's, you know we <laughs> we have somebody um who got a number of beauty products made hundreds and hundreds and then had something happen and didn't properly market it and it all expires in a couple of months and they're just now giving it all away for free when they were selling these products for I think about $80 and they've got hundreds of these products that retail for $80 and they didn't market it they didn't sell it so they're stuck with all of this stock which is expiring yes and then you have to and if you're giving it away for free that's a that's a 100% loss yep <laughs> you know, so you've got that and even if you and once you've okay say you you're you've said okay i can do this i can sell this such two years you bring it into dubai you have to find a warehouse to stock it in and you have to make sure it's air conditioned because it's um if dubai not, makeup's dubai gonna is melt hot, you have to make sure it's not gonna melt and then after so you have to have your warehousing your fulfillment figured out and then you have to figure out who you're going to sell to yeah that's the hardest part because as a consumer i am seeing hundreds and thousands of brand beauty brands products every day as a retailer i am seeing hundred thousands of beauty products and brands and probably so many great ones are being missed that they're the world's best kept secret because they haven't figured out the the branding the marketing all of those other things that it's sitting in a box somewhere because people aren't buying that you can't just have that website and i see this sometimes too that people go oh but i built a website 
nobody's bought from me or I'm selling on Instagram. Why is nobody buying from me? And it's so much more complicated than that. Yes, because um, you have, you know, um, customer acquisition is a lot more expensive today because especially with digital marketing, Facebook ads is, a, is very expensive when it comes down to the beauty industry because you've got the biggest players buying up the ad space, right? Yeah. So you, so when you're, when you're buying Facebook ads and all of that, you're actually fighting with your likes of Sephora and Shalou Group and all of these people. And on top of that, a lot of um, brand owners don't realize that when it comes down to retail, especially physical retail, shelf space is limited. Yeah. Shelf space is limited. So they will generally push you to online. But when it comes down to online, even if you're like on Sixth Street Faces or, you know, some of the big e-commerce platforms, they're not going to market for you. Unless, unless again, you know, you're a L'Oreal or an Estee Lauder, then yes, they will. Or, but, but if you're a small person and you want an Instagram post, you got to do it yourself. (laughs) No, but they will charge you for their Instagram page. So you still have to do all of the marketing for yourself to make sure your products are getting sold in the retailers. And if it's not sold in the retailers, they will pull you out. Mm. So these are a lot. These are things that need to be thought about. And say you even do really well, that's a whole different ballgame because then you have to really be able to manage supply. Supply management becomes very, very important. And this is something a lot of people don't realize. People think that oh, okay, I'm I'm in Sephora and I've made it and all of that. But the reality is that you have to make sure that you are ready for them. Yeah, because if you can't meet the supply, you're going to be pulled just as quickly as you got in there. Exactly. So much to think about, and I'm sure that women who are thinking about setting up a business like this will find this information so useful as well, because it is, it's something that shouldn't just be decided, oh, I'm going to set up a beauty business (laughs) and go out and license or register that business it takes a lot of thought and planning and money as well it's not something that you can do with a hundred dollars or five hundred dollars it costs a lot of money as well to set that up to to start with yeah it's um yeah it's uh, there's a lot a lot of costs involved you're looking at formulation costs you're looking at packaging costs um setting up the websites uh, within Dubai you have to register as well with Dubai municipality Mon- that's another cost because that's a cost per SKU so that's every single item every mm-hmm. single item so it's not even a cost per brand it's a cost per SKU that's going to be quite a hit as well for people and I, I'm sure different countries have different rules and we have members around the world and so probably for some some of our members that they're like oh this is easy I don't need to do that where others they're highly regulated like they are in the UAE and you end up having to pay all those extra registration costs which you don't necessarily think about when you're initially you have this vision of creating this business yeah, because you have to have all of your certifications on point, which is mm-hmm. again comes to when where your due diligence with um, the labs you work with comes into play. 
You have to be able, you have to make sure that the labs that you're working with are able to give you these certifications and these reports because you, you will need these reports, whether it's in the UAE, whether you want to sell in Europe, UK, US, anywhere. Every and every single place will ask for different things. Yeah, something to be prepared for, for sure. Yeah. Now, you've been a member of Female Fusion for a while. Um, how, how have you found being a member? It's been amazing. I think, you know, um, one of the main reasons why I joined Female Fusion, especially in the early days, was um, when you're an entrepreneur and a founder, it gets very, very lonely because you... You feel like you're the only person dealing with certain issues and you don't really have anyone else to talk to. You can't really be talking about certain things with your family or friends because they may not really understand what you're talking about. So that's where Female Fusion really um, came to play for me. It was a space where I could talk to founders and, and, you know, and, and the more I got to know many of them, the more I we started talking and we realized that, you know, a lot of our problems are actually the same. We share advice with each other. I mean, many of many of the members I'm still friends with, we WhatsApp each other and, you know, I'll be, and I'll think, oh my God, you know, I'm struggling with this issue. And I remember this person told me that they had struggled with this issue as well. And then I, I messaged them and I'm like, I remember you had said this and I'm struggling with this. How can you help me? And, you know, and that's, and it's this advice sharing that's yeah. become really, really important for me and the growth of my business. And I think as well that people aren't scared to be honest and to give that advice, um, but also as well to be vulnerable sometimes and say, I need help, which is so important when you own a business, because if you are not able to ask for help, that's going to limit you and your growth of your, your business. Yeah, because you spend a lot of time outside of your um, your business. You know, when you talk to other people who are not business owners, and especially if they're not in female fusion, you feel like you have to put up this front that mm. yeah, I'm I'm doing all right. You know, I've got I've got this business. I'm doing well. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a founder, and you just feel like you you can't really be vulnerable with a lot of people because you don't want them to take it the wrong way. That's interesting. And I, I think you're right as well that it's it's a different kind of business owner in a way, isn't it? That yeah. Because everybody does know each other that they feel that it's a very safe space, whether it's online or if they connect in person as well. Yes. And you know that no one's judging you. Yeah. And it's just, and the reason also why they're not judging you is because they relate to you. They understand where you're coming from as of course. well. Yeah, I, I get asked a question oftentimes, especially when our membership becomes open. And we often have people say, well, why would I join Female Fusion? What's in it for me? How's it going to help my business? What would you say to somebody about that? It's the network. It's the network. I mean, the, the women in Female Fusion are so diverse I feel like there's every single industry represented in female fusion. So when it comes down to the network, it's um, it's incredible. Like, you know, the, the number of times when I've, someone's asked me, oh, do you know someone in this industry? And I, and I think about this person, I'm like, yes, I do actually. Yeah. And it's that, it's that connection. And 
Or for example, for me, like, um, you know, I, I'll be sitting here and I'll be like, oh, I need, I need someone, I need someone to work with, to partner with for X, Y, Z, for this service, because yeah. I need the service right now for my business. I don't go anywhere else. I just go into female fusion and I find that person. For example, if I'm looking for someone in digital marketing, I just go into female fusion and I find someone there. When I was uh, rebuilding Miss Palatable's website, I didn't go anywhere. I just went straight into female fusion. <laughs> you know? Because it, everybody's trusted, right? Yeah. And you know that people are going to do a good job because it's such a tight knit network. And you know, with people all over the world as well. And this is what I'm finding too, since we've made our membership international too, is that you have access to women all over the world. So also as well, if you're expanding your business or you're looking for other clients or customers or extra support in something, not only do you have women who are in the same city as you, but you have women all over the world that you can access, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's actually really cool. I'm... I'm looking forward to meeting more of the Female Fusion members who are outside. Maybe one day if I'm in the UK or something, I yeah. might reach out and be like, hey, are there any Female Fusion well, founders over here? Well, we have regular meetups, but we might have, I'm just going to mention it here, but we'll have news later, but we might have a big international something where everybody's going to be able to get together early 2024 as well. So you'll hopefully get to meet them then too. Well, that's really exciting. Yeah. I'm going to block those dates and Global then once networking. I find out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, what's next for you and your business? Oh, I mean, I am. Um, oh, there's so much happening. So I am, um, of course, Miss Palatable. We've got a few brands in the pipeline that we're going to be launching a lot more product SKUs because the brands that we work with also have launched new products, which I'm really, really excited about. So we're going to be launching some of those soon so really busy with that um with miss palatable we're in an exciting stage where we're actually going to be uh, building some brand ambassadors we're going to be building a miss p tribe which is very exciting Ooh. for us and um that's going so that's really fun i mean we've got um influencers who we're very close to and we're also looking at some who we haven't worked with I, especially the younger ones yeah i feel like i feel like we're mispalatable as i've grown over the years the people who i've worked with have also grown over the years yeah. so now i'm looking at tapping into some of the you know the younger ones it'll be interesting to hear their opinions as well so that's something i'm really really excited about and and yeah, and that's that's really what Miss Palatable is all about right now. We're just um, we're just growing, um, and we're just excited in bringing more products to the UAE, bringing more brands, bringing just more unique, interesting, disruptive. I love products. that, and I love seeing how your business has grown. It's just it, it's it's such a delight for me, and I feel so proud of you to see how far you've come in the past three years that I've known you as well. So big congratulations on that and the growth of your business as well. Thank you. And it's, um, you're one of our best customers. <laughs> I have to see. <laughs> <laughs> I love Miss Palatable. So thank you so much, Mukta, for joining us on the show today. And I look forward to seeing what the coming months are going to have in store for you and your business. Thank you, Jen. Thanks for listening to the Women on the Rise podcast and our 30 most inspiring female entrepreneurs. 
If you are inspired by today's episode, why not come and join us in Female Fusion? We would absolutely love to have you. This is where you will be able to connect with the most incredible female entrepreneurs who are all committed to building a most profitable business. All you need to do is head over to femalefusionnetwork.com forward slash join. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Thank you.